Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. Dudley, something smells foul around here. I know it's not Foul Players Radio, the podcast hosted by today's guest, Mike Spedin. I didn't think so, either. Maybe it's just the Sherpa's stale jokes. Yes. It's a good thing the Sherpa chalet has lots of Febreze. We interrupt this bad comedy to inform you that Febreze is not a sponsor of too many podcasts. But they should be. Attention Rebels of the Sherpolution. Today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, the restrooms are located near the yellow snow. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, he's your host, Jim, the Podcast Sherpa. Hey there, Rebels, and welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts and so much more. You know who you're listening to, right? Season five, me, Jim, the Podcast Sherpa, bringing you another wonderful interview. And I think you're really going to like my guest today. Who's our guest today, Sherpa? He was a lot of fun to talk to. His name is Michael Spedden. And how many times did I get his name wrong in the interview? (laughs) He told me what the name is that he uses for his podcast. And that is the name I would obviously use. And I misheard him. And hello, Sherpa. His name was right on the little Zoom screen. I could have just read it right there. But we were just talking and having so much fun. I wasn't paying attention to the name on the little corner of the Zoom screen. Hey, it happens. But Michael is such a great guy. We're actually close in age. And he said it was fun talking to someone who was close to him in age because he was making references that I understood. And to return the favor, I actually appeared on his podcast called Foul Players Radio. And you got to check that out. That's a lot of fun on that show. Michael's a great guy. Had a super time on his show. And I think he had some fun over here, too. Didn't even have to make him pay to come on or anything like that. He did it absolutely free. Free. Didn't charge him a dime. So if you want to listen to Michael's free interview on this show, have a listen. Hello, Rebels. I sent something foul. Oh, no. It's Mike Stadden from Foul Players Radio. He's my guest. He's a musician, a podcaster, and an actor. And we're going to be talking a little bit about his career so we can get to know him. So you guys might want to check out his podcast, too. Mike, welcome to the Sharper Chalet. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you tonight. Uh, greetings from Maryland all the way up to Long Island. Great to talk to you. I appreciate you yeah. having me. Appreciate you having me It is today. a pleasure to have you here, sir. I always like to start things off by asking my guests to tell a little bit about themselves. So if you can. Okay. Uh, right now, I'm the host of Foul Players Radio. That's F-O-W-L, like the bird. Um, it's named after my murder mystery company called the Foul Players of Perryville. 
Perryville is where I live in Maryland. Uh, we're about 50 miles northeast of Baltimore. Uh, the reason why we make that pun or whatever you would say it would be for foul is because um, the town I live in is right on the Susquehanna River, which is known for its multiple species of waterfowl. People, they have actual waterfowl museums up here here to talk about that stuff. So we figured it would be a nice play on words for foul play. I've had the murder mystery company for a couple of years now. We perform on boats and on uh, trains, office parties and vineyards and whoever will have us. I also am a musician. I right now have an acoustic duo that I've had for about 15 years and we're kind of a comedy act, sort of similar to the Smothers Brothers. It's two of us. We play acoustic guitars and the humor isn't as much when with the banter between us as it is with um, the humor is actually in the songs. So uh, that's called the Uncle Moldy Show, and we perform uh, in the Maryland area a lot, um, sometimes in Pennsylvania too. Most recently, uh, you may know me as the Viking in the J.G. Wentworth commercials. Uh, while we're riding around on the bus, I was the big Viking that came out of the back. Um, you've also seen me this year on Kimmy versus the Reverend. If you haven't seen that movie, it's based on the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And it's there's a scene where Kimmy and Titus, the two main characters, are way out in the country, and they come into a bar. There's a Leonard Skinner band there playing, and I'm the bartender in there. And, um, I won't give away the movie, but um, it's an interactive movie. But no matter what choices you make in the movie, you always get to see me. So that's the good part about it. You know, it's it's not like uh, that movie revolved around me or anything like that. Uh, we have been nominated, nominated for a couple of Emmys. Um, I believe it was for Best Special perhaps. And then um, Titus Burgess has been nominated for an Emmy for Male Performance, I believe, as well. I'm excited about that. Um, I've also appeared on Gotham. Um, I was in Season 5, Episode 8. I played one of the Penguin's henchmen named Dale. I was shot to death in the uh, third scene I was in. And um, I've also done a number of Discovery ID shows and some um, commercials down here in Maryland when I was starting out and everything. I'm also, you know, years ago, I was in the hair bands of the <laughs> 80s. I had a big, I had a, a big hair band back in those days. And then I had a band that was kind of more like the cult a little bit after that when the hair band started going out. We were called Orange Seed Parade. We played CBGBs in New York a number of times and, uh, you know, uh, opened for a couple of national acts over the years. So, uh, yeah, so that's me in a nutshell. So we can get a little more specific, if you like, uh, depending on what you want to <laughs> <Okay>. know. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny. The first thing that you said that caught my ear was the Susquehanna River. And I was thinking uh, of that old Abbott and Costello routine about the Susquehanna Hat Company. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Is there actually a Susquehanna Hat Company? There may have been years ago, uh, but the majority of, I mean, there's only a couple of miles of the Susquehanna that's in Maryland, and it actually goes all the way up to near upstate New York. So there could be something on the way, you know, because that, that, you know, that river goes through like Lancaster and Harrisburg, and it goes quite a ways up, I believe, almost up to upstate New York if it doesn't start up there. So somewhere along the line, I'm sure there was. I, and with your murder mystery troupe. You you were an actor in the in the troupe, right? Yes, I am. Yes, okay. I am. So there's basically, about 20 of us, yeah. you get booked like for parties and stuff like that, and there's and someone has been killed, and they have to figure out if it's you or one of your co-stars who did it. Yeah, 
yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. I'm norm. I'm normally the uh, detective and the host. I'm normally the host and the narrator at the beginning, and I have um, a road. I have a roster. I would say of about you know, fifteen or twenty really good actors from this area here, and we you know, we kind of rotate. We work on trains. One of our biggest clients is the Western Maryland Scenic Railroad, all the way out in Cumberland. That's all the way out in the uh, Panhandle of Maryland, out west near West Virginia. But we also do the Pride of, or not the Pride of the Susquehanna. We do the um, Black Eye. Susan Riverboat. Um, we do uh, Slate Farm Brewery. We do some microbreweries, Mount Felix Winery, um, a lot of the tasting rooms where they have events and uh, trains and boats and office parties, corporate events, whoever will have us. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's called the Foul Players of Perryville. No one's ever walked in and thought that a real murder actually happened, has it? Not with this acting, no. <laughs> <laughs> You've been pretty safe there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty safe. It, it's it's silly. Um, our, our the shows are uh, they're comic. They're uh, comedies, you know, is what they are really. But you know, there's a murder. It, a lot of laughter. We really have a good time with it, you know. That's really, you know, the way things are nowadays in the world. You know, you need somewhere to go where you can just escape from the nonsense and escape from all the negativity and everything. I mean, it's just been such a bad year for everybody. And, you know, we, we want to give an alternative for that. That's what I try to do with, I can't do that this year, but, you know, through my podcast as well, you need an escape. Sure. Yeah, we all need to escape and let our hair down for a little bit and relax. And as they say in the song, forget about life for a while, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, if they want to let their hair down, what better guy to do with than a guy who was in a hair band? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we had we had some hair back in those days. I tell you, we uh, quite a bit of hair back then. I you know, run into the guys once in a while and uh, I, the hair went away for some reason. I don't know uh, where it went, but um not quite there anymore. And uh, <laughs> some of the pants and outfits we had back then, forget about that, too. I think nowadays half of us could actually rip spandex as stretchy <laughs> and flexible as that was. You know, would have runs in it like pantyhose or something if we tried that stuff on now. It was really funny. Back in those days, there was so much was based on image. I can remember in the band I was in after Fritz's Dynamite, which was the band I was in in the 80s. Uh, the band I was in in the early 90s was called Orange Seed Parade. And we were kind of a, uh, like if the cure met the cult, if you can kind of picture that. And it was right when LA was just starting to go away, but Seattle hadn't quite made its way in yet. So nobody really knew what the next big thing was going to be. So we were sitting in a club we were playing one night. It was me and a couple of the band members. And this guy came in. He was about five foot two, but about six foot one with his hair. And he had on the Seinfeld puffy shirt. He had on like a uh, handcuff belt, spandex. And his girlfriend was basically wearing the same thing except for a miniskirt. So this guy comes in comes over to the bar and he's like, hey guys, are you guys like in a bond? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, we're playing tonight. And he's like, well, I've been in lots of bonds. I've played all over the country, up and down the East Coast. And I've played in Florida, New York, and Delaware, or Delaware is what he said. And then he said, um, you know, I'm from LA. And his girlfriend looks at him, she goes, you are not, you're from Pittsburgh. <laughs> And then he goes, yeah, well, look at me. I should be from L.A. <laughs> and that we decided that was one of the dumbest things we'd ever heard. But, you know, back in those days, it was just such a great time back then. Some of the things that went on in the clubs that we played at, you know, actually one time uh, we were filming a TV show. There was a cable access TV show called Rock Live 
it was like one of those things on a Saturday night, like after Saturday Night Live was over, like real late, but it had all the local bands on it. Yeah, we were, you know, this hardcore looking gothic guys, and we had this cross that we would bring out on stage, and the singer would hang on it and swing on it because we were young and dumb, and we just thought we were too cool for school. So uh, right around the corner from where this nightclub was, it was called The Rage, was Baltimore's Block. Okay, the block is the famous red light district in Baltimore, where Blaze Star, you may have heard of Blaze Star, the famous stripper. They had the movie about her years right. ago. Okay. All these strip clubs were there. So when the strippers weren't stripping, they would come around and catch a beer and watch the bands. Apparently, you know, there was a girl who was a stripper who really liked that for some reason. And really liked our singer. And I, um, they were friends, but I don't know if there was a relationship or anything. Apparently, what was going on in this girl's life outside of, you know, having this obsession with our guy on the cross, she had a roommate and there was a bad relationship that that roommate was in. And she apparently must have encouraged this girl to get away from a boyfriend who wasn't too good to her. Apparently, they broke up. The guy got wind of it that the girl was encouraging them to do it. And he went over to their apartment and murdered her with a phone cord around her neck. Okay, well, we got accused of it. And the night that we were supposed to film Rock Live, Baltimore City Homicide showed up. Okay, so we come in and it was like, and the actual show Homicide was being filmed in Baltimore at the time, too. And we thought it was that. You know, the guys were like, we're with Homicide. We're like, oh, cool. We love that show. And they're like, no, no, no. This is the real Homicide. We need to talk to you guys right now. Well, I mean, it was, you know, none of us had anything to do with that girl dying. They actually ended up catching that guy years later. But we all had to go to the police station and we all had to be, you know, write statements and all that other business and stuff. Needless to say, it kind of put a damper on our mood. So we had to reschedule filming that show, you know, for mm-hmm. another time. And uh, there was another time we played there. There were some really unusual bands back then. There was a band called The Crypt that played there. And um, the thing I remember about them was that they were kind of guarish. The costumes weren't quite as big, but they all had masks on and costumes and they were playing and they had the Cookie Monster. <laughs> you know, vocals. And uh, one of them was built like kind of heavy. I think his costume made him heavy and he had sausages in a pouch and the singer would come <laughs> over and pull them out like they were intestines and pretend to eat them and everything. And um, <laughs> like the singer would go, I'm going to eat you. And they go over and start doing that. Then they had like, a little pepper. Yeah, exactly. A little salt and pepper. Yeah, some peppers and onions. It was Italian sausage they were pulling out of there, you know. Then they had this fetus. It was a rubber fetus. It looked like something that may have been used in biology to teach. But they ended up throwing it. and It was getting batted around the crowd and everything. And it was left outside of the club on the sidewalk. Well, apparently somebody saw it at like five o'clock in the morning and then the police were back down there wondering, you know, they thought it was real or whatever. And the club owner wasn't particularly thrilled about getting that phone call in the middle of the night. But there were just lots of great things, you know, playing back in those days. Lots of good music, a lot of great bands in the area. I mean, even though, you know, a band may be a local band and, you know, there were a lot of bands here and it was a big deal for us, one of us to go play in New York because New York, you know, it's an entertainment capital. Sure. You know, New York, Los Angeles, you know, those are the places to be if you really want to get into the industry. You know, whenever one of us would play up there, it was always a big deal. There was always like a party or something like that. Hey, these guys are going to play New York. Let's give them a good bon voyage and good luck and everything. We, we ended up taking rider trucks up there and um, 
probably had about, you know, a dozen or so people riding in the back of the rider truck, risking all kinds of carbon monoxide poisoning and everything else as we're <laughs> taking those people through the Lincoln Tunnel. You know, they probably thought we were human trafficking if they looked at it nowadays. We would take them up to CBGB's when we played there, and um, it was always a great time. And, you know, I, I have a lot of fond memories of those times, but, you know, unfortunately, they didn't last, you know, um, and, and there's, a, there's a lot with bands, you know, there's personalities, there's conflicts, you know, you have four band members, you end up with six opinions and none of them match, you know, um, when it comes to what you should do. And so I got out of it for a while. I got back into it. Um, I took some time off to get myself a career and a big boy job and all that stuff. Got back into it uh, about 15 years ago and then started acting about 10 years ago. I'd always been a musician and I'd been asked to come out for some community theater shows. The first one was Jesus Christ Superstar because I could sing, you know, they asked me for that. And, uh, then after that, people would just ask me to do stuff. You know, I mean, I'm a big guy, so I played a lot of the big guy or villain or scary people parts, you know. And uh, <laughs> I guess with all the situations where there were the police showing up at some of the shows that you knew about, <laughs> did, did that prep you for uh, working in Discovery ID? A little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, some of these shows that I've, you know, that that we've had, yeah. I mean, there's always. A, I don't think there's a way to get away with murder at all because it seems like when you watch these shows and they reenact these murders. I mean, I guess there are a lot of them out there that are still unsolved, but it's like you know, there's always like this dead giveaway that some bonehead didn't think to do before they actually committed this crime, you know. And, and actually, it is a it's a good thing that they were boneheads because then justice was served. But you look at these things and I'm like, you know, how dumb are these? people. You know, first of all, to commit murder makes you a horrible person, but then just the stupid ways they try to cover it up, you know, it's just, it, it's really something else here. Yeah, I, I enjoyed, I was most recently on a show called uh, Dead Reckoning that aired in July or June. This summer's been such a blur, you know, it's terrible, isn't it? I believe it was on like uh, the beginning or middle of June, and I had a small part in that, but in that, you know, the, the show was a lot more narration. I didn't have any lines or dialogue or anything like that, really. Um, um, we were, you know, most of the actors were just kind of there telling the story and then they had the real people come in with narration and everything or the actual narrator of the show. But, you know, I really met some nice people doing that. It's the Discovery ID shows I found have been fun to do. You know, they're really fun. You meet some great people doing them. You know, I, I enjoy doing them. You know, I filmed it on Long Island, too. It was right outside of Queen. God, I cannot remember. I'm drawing a blank here. Here I am trying to tell you about it and i'm just drawing a blank as to where it was but it was right i guess you know, there's queens and then there's actually like the long island part right. right and um it was not far out of queens at all so that's all i can really say now you said that you were actually killed in an episode of gotham Yes, I was. Yes, I was. You know, what was really funny was that the first two national things that I got since I signed with management in 2018, the first one I got was Gotham. And my audition consisted of doing two things because I was auditioning for two people in that episode. One of them was the character that I got called Dale. Dale had no lines. All Dale had to do was make dumb faces and react to what was being said to him. Okay. And then the other one, um, there was a character in the tunnel that Alfred and young Bruce Wayne fought. It was a big humanoid type of person, and I had to go in and make all kinds of noises like the Tasmanian devil during my audition for that. So I ended up getting Dale, which um, uh, I liked. I was glad that I got it because you actually got to see that it was me, mm -hmm. uh, the actor that played the um, creature. It was like during fights, so you couldn't really see them. 
you know, I mean, you got kind of a glance at the face for a second, but you couldn't really tell. But I got the part and um, I got to work with not only great actors, but just really great people. And the whole, um, you know, the hairdressers, the makeup people, uh, the stunt people were just absolutely wonderful. I mean, with that being my real first trip to the dance, so to say. I just, it, it really made things a heck of a lot easier. I was killed by Mr. Penn. Uh, the character's name was Mr. Penn, and he was played by Andrew Sellen, um, who had been recurring on the show for a couple of seasons, and he actually turned into the ventriloquist. So I'm not sure if it was him or the dummy that actually shot me. <laughs> I think the dummy actually kind of took over his mind, and he shot me because I was the uh, I was supposed to be the uh, muscle that was there, and um, I was the uh, henchman for Oswald Cobblepot, played by Robin Lord Taylor. You know, another person who was in the scene that I did was um, Ed Nigma, who was played by Corey Michael Smith. All three of those guys were just great to work with. You know, it, it was a lot of fun we had. When I first came into the scene on the show, I was, you know, they gave me, I was supposed to be kind of like a big dumb guy. So they kind of gave me like um, ill-fitting clothes, like, you know, high waters and short sleeves. And, you know, the sleeves were too short. Mm-hmm. And I was carrying this tray of food. Now I was supposed to have been bringing in their lunch. One thing that I thought was kind of interesting was that they, there was actual real food on the tray. It wasn't prop food or fake food. It was grapes. And then it was, um, I think, a tin of anchovies and a tin of sardines and some smelly cheese. So I'm holding it, you know, waiting to go in. We make our entrance and I'm there. Robin Lord Taylor was right ahead of me. Now I'm six foot six and I'm probably a good foot taller than he is. So where I was holding that tray was like nose level for him. So I'm standing behind him and he turns around to say something to somebody that was, you know, like in the tech crew or something. And his nose was right above the sardines. And he looks at it and he goes, oh, man, what the hell? You know, and I started laughing and he started laughing. He says, you eat this stuff? And I said, well, yeah, once in a while I get some sardines. You know, every couple of years I get anchovies on my pizza, but it's not a habit. Definitely not date food, you know, and we both started laughing at that. They were all just very friendly and nice to talk to and work with and everything. Just with people being friendly and stuff like that, it really put my mind at ease. You know, and a couple of people that were on the uh, the technicians you know, had worked in or actually came from my hometown too, uh, which was nice. Now, they, they heard me talk and they said, you're from Baltimore, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And um, <laughs> so they're like, what part? And I said, yeah, I grew up in Dundalk, a suburb outside. They're like, oh, okay, here's where I grew up. And you know, we, we got to talking about that. So um, it was really great, you know, just a great experience. And actually the director, uh, Ken Fink, had directed a lot of homicide episodes too. It was kind of a Baltimore thing there that day. <laughs> Do you have a secret to a good on-screen death? Oh, a secret to a good on-screen death. Well, um, I have a secret to a lot of good on-stage deaths because uh, there were times when I was doing my comedy act with the uh, you know the Uncle Moldy show. People didn't think we were funny, so I know how to do that pretty well. You know, I just basically uh, fell the way they wanted me to fall. There was a stuntman that coordinated the whole thing, and actually, I, you know, they had me fall on mats. Then they made me up while I was laying there dead. They did the blood coming out of my mouth, and uh, there was the blood on the floor, and they just made me up and told me to lay still. You know, just uh, wait for the bang and then, you know, don't fall before the bang. And they squid me, too. They had like a little explosion come off of my back that 
like to make it look like the bullet went through me and out the back of the jacket. So that was it. You know, just pretty much listen to your stunt man is really uh, the key to a good death. And uh, don't piss off the director or else you'll have a real death, I think. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you'll die a little bit sooner than you expect. Yes, sir. Yeah, I know. I know. How did you get involved with the J.G. Wentworth commercial? I mean, everybody knows those commercials. They're so <laughs> they've become so iconic in a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the you know, the J.G. Wentworth commercials have been on probably you know for a good fifteen years now, and I just you know my manager sent me an audition. It was up in New York City for um, you know the J.G. Wentworth commercial, and they they took us in by groups because you see how it goes. They call it the bus opera. So one person sings, then the next person sings. It's usually male, female, male, female. Then at the end, here comes the Viking to sing the big part. And um, <laughs> it was it, that was a that was a really fun shoot you know i got the part you know they brought us in in groups there were a lot of us uh there quite a few people i think there was probably a group i think they had us maybe in groups of like eight do it and there were a lot of people in the waiting room for that that day and then um once i you know was notified that i got the part um you know i booked it and it was filmed in stanford connecticut and we were actually on a rented city bus and we drove around stanford connecticut all day playing that song and uh doing our parts and one thing that was kind of fun about or kind of strange about that or had me worried again i'm six foot six so if i stand straight up and down on one of those buses my head touches the ceiling and my feet are flat on the floor now the horns that i was wearing the viking helmet horns were another eight inches so that's seven foot four right there and then there were lights and stuff up in the ceiling and everything they had light things you know attached up there you know to put good lighting on us and everything when we're driving around and before my part came up where i would come around and you know do my part i was standing in the well that leads down to the doorway in the back and then I would have to come around. But I had to kind of stay squatted down when I made my entrance and everything to be able to stay like A, at the same height of everybody else and B, to not be banging my horns on the lights and everything like that. So I had to stay kind of squatted down when I did it. And we filmed that for a good while. And I tell you what, man, I had buns of steel at the end of that shoot. You know, <laughs> I got a great quad and rear end and uh, was that quadriceps or gluteus or whatever it is, you know, um, <laughs> I had legs and buns of steel after that, brother, you know. Um, <laughs> you probably worked all of them. <laughs> yeah, but I got to tell you one thing, you know, the production company people were absolutely wonderful. Um, it was Crab Meadow Films. They were absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah, I was concerned, though, because I did hear them say, you know, uh, I thought I heard somebody say, did you see how tall that guy is? How's this going to work? And I was like, uh-oh. Uh oh, I hope I'm not getting sent home. You know, I mean, I was maybe a little overreacting to that, but, you know, I met some other people that were in the cast that I've actually had. I've had three of them as guests on my podcast, you know, Mike Funk, Lothair Eaton, and Natalie Vero. They were, uh, Mike Funk was the construction worker. Uh, Lothair was standing in the back of the bus, and Natalie was one of the ladies that was sitting off across from the construction worker. You know, we, we all really got along. You know, there was, there was no negativity on that set. There was nobody that caused problems. Nobody was unprofessional. Nobody was, you know, rude or um, uncooperative or difficult. And, you know, we worked together. Then we had breaks together and we ate together and we laughed. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience, you know, just some with some great people. You know, I'm, I'm proud of that commercial. I really am. And proud of the people I work with on that. That's great that you've had a lot of positive experiences working in television. I know because sometimes yeah. it could be a little bit of a powder keg sometimes, but I guess if you're working with the right people and yeah. everything just goes right and 
it makes it an easier day for everybody. I have to say I've been blessed so far. You know, I mean, I don't have the longest resume and, you know, a lot of the things, you know, that I have on my resume are local and regional things, you know, um, and everything like that. But, you know, the Kimmy Schmidt movie was absolutely a wonderful experience too. I, you know, I got to work opposite Ellie Kemper and Titus Burgess and the two of them couldn't have been nicer. Um, also, uh, Paul Laser was there from Silence of the Lambs. He was in our scene as well. He was the guy from Silence of the Lambs that knew all about the Beatles and the Bugs, if you remember the movie. Um, he was one of the guys that was playing chess with the Beatles uh, when they went down to ask about what the bug was they found in the girl's throat. He was he was a really nice guy too, um, you know. And I got to meet Tina Fey. I got to work under her. She was the executive producer, and Claire Scanlon was the director. And um, that was really a fun day as well. Really a fun day as well. Everybody was just as nice as could be, and um, it was it was a funny scene that we did. If you've seen the movie yet, um, it, it's really a fish out of water scene and everything. Well, the whole thing is a fish. The whole show is a fish out of water show. This was even more of a fish out of water scene that I, I really think was one of the strongest scenes in the movie. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from people, not just because they're my friends too, but just that you know, they thought the movie was good and they really had a lot of fun watching it. They can see that on Netflix. Uh-huh. Yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, absolutely. You're allowed to drink on the show. It's okay, Michael. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That, I don't know. Are your fans seeing me as Teresa or are they, uh, you know. Um, We're just audio, so they're not going to see any of that. Oh, okay. 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 Michael's um, using his wife's my laptop. Wife's laptop so. and it comes up and it says Teresa. Um, my wife is also an actress, too. She's done Law & Order SVU, a lot of national commercials, too. Um, so, that, But I'm on her laptop. She's the, got the better laptop of the two of us. I have a 2008 laptop, which um, is very, very slow. I've had a couple of hard drives, and I'm, I'm, I'm like that guy who still drives the 73 Buick that you see going down the road. You know, I just keep getting it fixed or try to. I still haven't <laughs> taken the plunge to get a new one yet, you know? <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yeah, you know? <laughs> Uh, I, I, the, the guy who's driving down the road can actually he doesn't need brakes because he can do it Flintstone style by sticking <laughs> his foot through the floorboards and stopping. You know, um, yeah, uh, you know, it, we're, we're you know kind of a showbiz couple. You know, we both have the same management and everything, and um, it, it's 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 great. You know, it, it's I think if you're in this business. You've got to be with somebody who's in this business because people who are not in this business just don't get it. They don't get the times that you have to dedicate to rehearsing. They don't understand, you know, the audition process. They don't understand the constantly having to audition over and over and over again and doing this and doing that and the things that you really have to go through, you know, I mean, God forbid if anything happened to either one of us, you know, if I ever lost her, it would have to, I would, you know, and if I ever did remarry, it would have to be with somebody who does this. It, it's hard, you know, because when you, I've, I've dated women in the past who didn't get it, you know, I was playing in bands and things like that and they just hated it. You can't take something away from somebody, especially something like this. You know, there are some people that give people, I've known friends of mine who have given ultimatums or have gotten ultimatums from women they've either been involved with either, you know, as a dating or married. We do this because we want to, but a big part of us has to, you know, you're taking away who we are if you're not allowing us to do these things. Did you ever work with your wife in any projects or you just kind of do uh, it? Theater. Yes, theater. In, you know, uh, we haven't been booked in anything nationally together, but you know, we have done a lot of theater together. We've played opposite each other. Uh, and we've done children's theater, too. That's actually where we met was at the theater. The first theater show I did with Baltimore Actors Theater was Jesus Christ Superstar. The first time we did it, 
the theater did. It was in 2011. I played a Roman and I played a um, part of the ensemble, the apostles. And um, she was she played Mary Magdalene, rotated that with another actress. She helped also help stage and choreograph the whole thing. And we met then and um, became an item. And we'd done quite a few shows and a lot of children's shows together, too. We have a lot of fun doing those as well. Uh, but no, nothing that you know, we've never booked anything together through our manager. And she does our murder mysteries, too. Yeah. Yeah. We have to talk about your podcast, Foul Players Radio. Yes. Yes. I started that a number of years ago just because I like hearing about people's journeys. I started that. Um, I was on another podcast as a co-host, uh, but it wasn't a good mix of people. I was like 15 years older than the other guys that were doing it. And um like my frames of references were completely off. The kind of guests I want to have were people that I knew from bands in the 80s. These guys were interviewing their friends that were like, you know, 25, something like that, you know, 30. <laughs> you know, whenever I would make a joke or talk about something, it was just like, whew, you know, right over their heads. Um, you know, when you make, you know, as you get older, you know, when you make pop culture references or something like that in front of younger people, they have no idea. <laughs> yeah, the deer no in the headlights look. <laughs> right, right, right. And, um, and, and after a while, too, I think those guys kind of lost interest in doing it. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I was going to continue doing it on my own and you know, do a similar type of show. Um, it started off just as mid in the Mid-Atlantic with a lot of people that were former you know, television personalities that we all grew up watching on the news, kids shows that we remembered from the 70s, from Baltimore and surrounding areas, you know, like television stations, mm -hmm. you know, bands, um, theater people, actors, like a lot of people from The Wire, people that ran haunted houses and all kinds of things in the area, just kind of a, like a local pop culture type of thing. And then lately, you know, I've been blessed to make some newer connections lately with a uh, good old Steve, your friend and mine, Steve Joyner. You know, Uber publicist, a, Steve Joyner. Uh, uh, yes, yes. And um, <laughs> we've uh, been able to make much better connections and kind of expand the show and our listenership into new markets and everything. So that's kind of what we do, you know, um, you know, and I do have people come on and shamelessly plug themselves, mm -hmm. um, you know, tell us what's going on and um, things like that, you know, and um, I shamelessly plug what I'm doing. Unfortunately, this year, I've had a whole bunch of nothing going on because of the COVID and has basically shut down all the venues we do our murder mysteries in. I'm also, um, I sing, too, in the chorus of the Chesapeake, um, named after the Chesapeake Bay. It's an acapella chorus where we sing barbershop music, God. which was like a, you know, like a barbershop quartet, but there's 60 of us. And we do concerts a couple times a year. Um, we sing at the mall during Christmas a whole group of us and we do um usually one oriole game usually when they're playing the blue jays so we can sing both national anthems uh we do that once a year as well um mike rowe was one of our members from dirty jobs uh he was part of the baltimore opera too but mike actually started singing now he was in it years and years ago like in the 70s and 80s when he was a young kid my grandfather sang with him from 56 until the day that he died in 04 and i joined just a couple of years ago i'd always wanted to do it but you know, life never allowed me to do it, but I decided I'm going to start doing it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a great chance to, and 
I love hearing stories about my grandfather too. You know, he was a great singer. Uh, he was a lead, one of the big wheels in there. So, um, and I've had those guys on the podcast too, just to talk about different things. So it's uh, Foul Players Radio. You can find us on, oh, I've got my list over here on the wall. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Castro, CastBox, iHeartRadio. You can also find it at foulplayersradio.buzzsprout.com. We have a Facebook page called Foul Players Radio. Remember the W and Foul when you go to look it up. Um, I have my Michael Spedden page on Facebook if you want to like me or throw darts at it, whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, I have my Foul Players of Perryville page on there. and You can check that. Again, there's a whole lot of nothing going on right now with that. We also do have a website called the thefoulplayersofperryville.com. You can go on and look at pictures of our performances and my contact information for that. Uh, you can call me at 4 Four three six hundred zero four four six or foul players of Perryville at yahoo.com for bookings and once this COVID mess is over. So uh yeah, those are all my plugs. Those are all my plugs and all my uh, shameless self-promotion here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he even beat me to it before I even asked him, but that's okay. <laughs> I can repeat it later, but uh, I think you got it all covered there. You know what? Uh, what other podcasts do you like to listen to, Michael? Let me see what some of my favorite ones. Um, I, I like um, Larry Miller. Um, I like Gilbert Gottfried. Um, Eddie Trunk is great. I like. Uh, let me see. Uh, Sword and Scale. Um, um, there's a number of horror or like horror and true crime ones that I like that are pretty good. You know, I've listened to a, a few of yours that I've liked. You know, I've enjoyed. Thank you. You know, I've, I've only gotten to know you recently. You know, I, I've enjoyed listening to yours. I also like uh, the Life uh, 106.9 uh, done by Don Smith, who is part of our. Uh, part of our hangout group here you know there, there, there's a lot of great ones out there um let me see some other ones i like you know, there's a couple of them that are true crime um i've been so busy working on my own that i forgot the name of a couple of them that i kind of <laughs> got into a little bit uh but those are the main ones i like you know eddie gilbert um larry miller uh, kevin pollack had a really nice one for a number of years i don't think he's doing it anymore dom Herrera, is another one that I really like too. So th those are the ones that I like. I really like listening to people's stories, uh, people's journey in entertainment. Um, I like things like the history of famous people. Mike Rowe's got a great one too. Mike Rowe, The Way right, I, I Heard, heard it. it by yeah. Mike Rowe. That's a fun one. Sure. Um, we sit there, as a matter of fact, when we're driving back from Cumberland after Murder Mysteries, that's like a three-hour drive we have. We listen to those and we try to figure out who he's talking about as we're going along. Sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't, you know, so that's that's another one that I really like, too. And um, there's another one called um, Home in My House Coat. There's a local comedian um, in Baltimore here. She, she performs a lot in New York called Caroline Zatina. I was just on the Yippie Kaye Mother podcast Um Recently, we talked about Young Frankenstein. That's a podcast that's done with a panel, and they usually have two guests. And I was on the episode after Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, wow. I was on last week or two weeks ago, and we talked about Young Frankenstein and what we enjoyed about the movie and everything. And, you know, that's a, that's a lot of fun. So um, I, I enjoy being on podcasts and being on them and having people on mine. You know, it's it, it's great. His name is Michael Stedden. Make sure you check out his podcast, Pow. Pow. <laughs> How about Pow. foul? Pow. Yes. <laughs> Make sure you check. 
It's English people. We know. We know. <laughs> Check out his podcast, The Foul Players Radio. And it's no the, it's just Foul Players Radio. I screwed it up again, didn't I? <laughs> foul Players Radio. There it is. You, you said it better than I can. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me today. I've really enjoyed being with you. I mean, I've enjoyed talking to you and everything. I probably talked your ear off. No, that's still attached. There it is. But uh, <laughs> Still got to your last count. I didn't make Vincent Van Gogh out of you yet here. So, uh. <laughs> Not yet. so Michael Stedden, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll talk again soon. Hey there, Rebels. It's me, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. And thanks a lot for listening to my show. You know what I'm here to do? Help you with your holiday shopping. No, I'm not going to give you my credit card. I've got something better. It's called the Sherpa Shop. If you go to my website, sherpolution.com, on the About page, you will see a link that will take you to a shop that connects to over 100 websites. And you can buy all sorts of stuff online. And it'll definitely make your holiday shopping so much easier. That's not enough? Okay, how about this? Check out my other podcast, The Expert Factory. There is an episode about using online shopping apps. They can save you money and maybe even make you a little money, believe it or not. So have a safe and happy holiday season. Viva the Sherpa Pollution, everybody. Let's get back to the show. Be a rebel. Follow the show at Sherpa Pollution on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now it's time for Sherpa Suggestions. So I was saying to myself, what should we do this week's Sherpa Suggestions about? And then I realized, since Michael played a villain on Gotham, well, he was a henchman of a villain, why not do recommendations about podcasts about villains? And believe it or not, there were a whole bunch of them that I found. So I figured I'd throw some titles your way, just in case you like exploring the dark side. We have The Villain Was Right, Villain Villa Podcast 2.0, Victims and Villains, Villain News, Superhero Villain ENT, Villains Never Sleep, The Dapper Villains Podcast, and of course, one of my personal favorites with the best title, we have Chillin' with Villains, and word of advice from the Sherpa, don't be chillin' with villains if they're illin'. Yeah, I know my doctor told me, don't use hip-hop speak, please. Thank you so much to Michael Spedden for coming on down to the Sherpa Chalet and check out Foul Players Radio, his podcast. And I will include the link from the episode that I got to appear on and be interviewed. We had a lot of fun and I was really appreciative of him coming on my show as well. Hey, coming up on Friday, I've got an interview with a guy named Mitta Goodwin. Mitta, what an interesting first name and what an interesting guy. He was a concert promoter for the Warp Tour. And he ran for president while doing so. I'm not making this up. I think I must have said this several times. We'll get to know about the world of Mitta Goodwin on Friday. So stay tuned. And hey, if you're liking this show, 
please leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Spread the word about the Sherpolution. Hey, Mr. Bruce, have you ever played a villain? Nah, you're too much a good guy. Although I think you ate the last chocolate chip cookie. But I'll forgive you, sir. So if you don't mind holding the door, I'll consider it even. Okay, thank you, sir. Okay, guys, see you Friday. And viva la Sherpolution. Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Chapalition. Viva la Chapalition. <coughs> oh. Yeah, I'll come back now, you hear? <laughs> <laughs>